Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we discuss Adam Scott's Genesis win, look ahead to the WGC Mexico Championship and ask why are so many big names skipping it? Hi, I'm Nick Doherty, and you're listening to the Golf Monthly Clubhouse podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name's Tom Clark, and I've got a bit of a cold, so if I sound slightly different, that's why. And I'm joined by Nick Bonfield and Elliot Heath. How are we doing, guys? Hello, Clazza. How are you today? As I said, I've got a bit of a cold, but I'm fine, fine. Absolutely, hero. Elliot, how are you doing? Good morning, chaps. Uh, Good. I've got a bit of a sore throat. Oh, so, uh, Elliot is trying to set up a sick day for tomorrow. That's the second time. He's been dropping crumbs all morning. <laughs> exactly. Also, Elliot is wearing a particularly good fake Ralph Lauren Polo Sport t-shirt, which we guessed he got from Thailand the other month. Yeah, I've had this for about three months now, and nobody has cottoned on to that fact. So, cottoned uh, on? Is that a good pun? Quite yeah. disappointed. Certainly no cotton in that t-shirt. Uh, yes, quite. Can you guess the price? No, I'm not going to guess. Five pounds. If you paid five pounds for that t-shirt, then you've been done. I, I think it was about four pound. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and, and, and it's also wearing a, a fake watch. <laughs> Elliot drives um, fake goods around the world and uh, should be arrested. Anyway, a bit of golf happened at the weekend. Any golf from you guys at the weekend? No, no, because there was a massive storm and it was horrendous, wasn't yes. it? We were supposed to be playing golf, weren't we, on Friday at what was it called? Sunningdale Heath, and it was unfortunately cancelled. Oh, yeah. I spent most of Sunday crying after Aston Villa conceded a, a late winner. But Liverpool won again, eh? On that subject, I went to Liverpool for the first time ever. Did, did you? Yeah. This is breaking news. What did you do in Liverpool? I did a few things, but I went to junkyard golf. You went to Liverpool to, play, to go to Junkyard Golf? Well, it was... It seems a long way to go. It was raining quite a lot. That place, I know you're going to give me some grief for this, is an absolute tourist trap gold mine. I, I, I don't we know what... Spent about four, 40 or 50 quid in there in about 25 minutes. It's yeah. a lot of money for you. London, it's always really, really full and it's a really good place to go. Yeah, yeah. they're very, very popular. Of course, they're very popular, you can see why. Yeah. So did, did you do any Beatles stuff or was it just indoor golf? Um, we went around. Did you go to the Hard Rock town. Cafe? No, we went to the docks. That's nice. Lots of Beatles stuff. If you, there. if people are wondering why I've asked if Elliot went to the Hard Rock Cafe, Elliot loves going to random Eastern European cities, and the only thing he ever does in this is go to Hard Rock cafes or the cinema. Isn't that correct? No, because I went to the cinema once on holiday. That <laughs> and I you shouldn't have told us that. We went yeah. split once. We never <laughs> let him live it down. So come on, what did you do in Liverpool? You went to the docks. Did you go to the Cavern Club? No, it was too busy. I was going to buy tickets online, but they were cheaper on the door. So I thought, we'll get them on the door. Sounds like Elliot. The line was too long. It was cheaper on the door? Yeah, there's £2.50 on the door before 8pm, and it's five quid online. <laughs> You're so cheap. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I mean, Cavern Club's fine. It's fine. Yeah. So that was disappointing. Uh, went out for a really nice match. Did you go to the home of the European champions? Oh, actually, world champions. No. no. You didn't know. Shock, isn't it? Um, went back via Iron Bridge, the world's first bridge made out of iron. I, I went on a cool. I went on a school trip to Iron Bridge, which is in Shropshire, isn't it? Who who made Iron Bridge? Uh, I can't remember. I can, can, can I guess? Isambard Kingdom Brunel. I think you're. I think you're right. Oh, I should no. know this because I went to Brunel University, but maybe actually that's that might be wrong. But um, I'm a Isambard Kingdom Brunel fan. Are you? He made. Uh, 
the one in Plymouth, which is very impressive, and obviously the Bristol one. But I don't suspension bridge. Yeah, both stunning bridges. But good, I'm not good, sure. good bridge chat. <laughs> I'm not sure if he made that one in Ironbridge. Okay, fine. Uh, but I have been to Ironbridge, but it seems like I can't remember anything about it. And I also went to Bruno University, and it seems like I don't know anything about Bruno either. But um, fun times. Anyway, let's talk about some golf instead of bridges because that's what we were supposed to be talking Random about. Um, yeah. So. Good news at the weekend. Good news at the weekend. Be- yes. Because Adam Scott won the Genesis Invitational. It's 14th PJ Tour title. Uh, shot a final round 70 to win by two at Riviera. He's now back inside the world's top 10 for the first time since May 2017. Moves up to world number seven. The 39-year-old says he feels his best years could still be ahead of him. Uh, he continues a great stretch for Australian golf with Cameron Smith, Mark Leishman, Lucas Herbert and Minru Lee all winning in 2020 so far. They are doing rather good. I hadn't actually, I hadn't actually realised that. I mean, Leishman and Herbert both went on Australia Day as well, which was uh, incredible, wasn't it? Um, now, one thing I haven't mentioned there as well is that he was also picked by the GM Tipster at twenty-eight to one. Thankfully for my second winner of the year, which means that we're into a healthy profit this year. So if you do want to check out our golf betting tips, do go to our golf betting tips homepage, um, which if you just um, Google golf monthly betting or even golf betting, you should be able to find it pretty quickly. Yeah, very well done there, Tom. Oh, thank uh, you. Two already that year. I'm this year. Well, what, exactly. I'm Let's try and get the, you know, a good year is one a month. And we're on that at the moment. So. How many did you have last year? Not many, seven, I think. So um, yeah, and we and they all went a bit wrong after the open. So, uh, uh, I think our best year, I think we had sixteen. I think so. That was a particularly good year. Oh. That was also my first year. Maybe it was beginner's luck. I don't know. So, um, yeah, check out the Ben Tips because I'm on. I'm on fire. Ish, so um, yeah. But Adam Scott, former world number one, thirty-one pro victories, including the Masters, the Players Championship, and two WGCs. He's quite a good golfer, isn't he? Brilliant golfer. The swing that never ages. Uh, just, just love it when he plays well. He went into a little bit of a, a lull. He was down in like the seventies two or three years ago. Uh, but I read all his press conference quotes, and he seems very determined to win majors again. And like I said, well, like you said there, he um, thinks his best years still could be ahead of him. Perfect golf course for him as well, wasn't it? I mean, he's a guy who famously hits a lot of fairways and lots of greens. I think he led the stats, the greens and regulation stats after round three. But interestingly, I think he got it done on the greens on the Sunday, um, which he hadn't done the previous three days. He gained two strokes on the field on the greens on the on the Sunday, whereas if you compare that to Rory McIlroy, lost two strokes on the field and they were three strokes apart. So it all came down to putting in the end for me, I think. Yeah, which... My- most pro tournaments yeah. do come to that. I mean, it's the second time he's won at Riviera. Uh, the first time was what I think it was fifty-four hole tournament, wasn't it? I think thirty-six. Thirty-six. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So I always yeah. think that in his interview he said it was nice to win it properly, as it were. Um, yeah, there would always be that asterisk against that event when it's thirty-six holes. Yeah. Right? so much changes over the weekend. But as you say, tee to green, he was hitting it about as well. And what it, I was absolutely loving watching Kucha, McElroy and Scott. They mm. both drive the ball so well. Irons are, are absolutely amazing. And it did come down to the putting. Riviera, obviously, very tricky greens very tricky. to putt on because they're not the smoothest. You might hit perfectly good putt and it doesn't stay on line and stuff like that. So, uh, Scott, obviously, that's one of the reasons why he has not always been at the top of the game. He, he had to deal with moving to the broom handle putter, then not being allowed to use that in the way that he was when he won the Masters. But he seems to be putting well again. 
I think the real key moment was when they both made a mess of the fifth, didn't they? I think McElroy triple bogeyed and Scott doubled. But then Scott bounced back with a birdie on the sixth and McElroy dropped another shot there. And it's so hard for McElroy to chase on a golf course that's playing that difficult with some world-class players in front of you. Yeah, Rory actually said in his press conference after that he was very sort of flustered by how difficult it was. He's never seen Riviera play that difficult. Uh, he, he said he knew the, the pins were going to be difficult, but the greens were really quick. And the wind was up as well. Yeah, it was tough. And I absolutely loved watching it at the weekend. I thought it was a proper golf course. Yeah, great tournament. Uh, you know, Scott won at 11 under. No one else got to double figures. Um, it was a proper test. You know, we had everything, didn't we? We had birdies, we had eagles, we had doubles and we had trebles. You know, we had, had the whole lot. Um, yeah, I thought it was very And it was slow. really exciting. It was a bit slow, but they're playing in three balls at the end. I, I didn't think it was that bad. It was finished before midnight our time, yeah. and they're over in Los Angeles. So, do you know what? I I, I didn't have an issue. If three balls on a tough course and tough conditions, I wasn't. I know they were waiting on it's a few always, shots, but it wasn't yeah. as bad as last year with JB, was it? No, we're close to that. Well, no. And also, it got down to the last few holes where Scott, you know, he had a couple of chances to make birdie and just made pars. And suddenly, some guys suddenly appeared from nowhere. Scott Brown finished at nine under. We hadn't seen a shot of him all all, all day. Oh, we'd seen a couple of shots of him. When he rolled in a couple of birdie putts, he was there. I mean, but hardly. We didn't see, hardly, we didn't see every Joel, shot of him. Yeah, Joel Damon was on a great run, Max Hummer, and. They, the coverage got quite a lot of abuse, didn't it? Um, they didn't yeah, show how from the Americans. Yeah, so the, CBS, the, the yeah, CBS coverage, which obviously um, Sky take a lot of their pictures from CBS coverage, and then they have, have their own commentators talking over the top of them. They didn't show how Varna the third uh, chunking a, th- a three wood off the tenth, where he hit it about 110 yards when he was going for the green. And he was tied for the lead at that point. Mm. And he also didn't show many shots from the lesser names in contention like Max Homer, uh, Sun Kang and Joel Damon. Did they get it wrong? Do we, we, did they do this too much? Well, Where they I just concentrate too many, too much on the big names um, and the leaders and they forget about the, the, the also-ran? I don't think so, personally. I mean, I'm someone who detests that more than ever. I'm someone who hates when they show every shot of Tiger Woods when he's languishing down in 50th or something. But people like Homer and Damon... Homer, I don't think, was ever within one shot of the lead. Damon only became relevant when he made that birdie on 16, and then they showed that, and then they showed him play on 17 and 18. They showed a decent bit of Kang, as far as I'm concerned. I didn't have an issue with the coverage. would have been nice to see the top of the tee, of course, and, and I've seen some theories about them protecting players, etc. so I don't know why we didn't see that. that. That's a strange one, particularly given that he was tied for the lead at the time. But overall, I didn't have an issue with the coverage. Yeah, I- It's a difficult job for them to do, isn't it? It, no, what it is, and I that's can't the, imagine doing that. And that, that's the thing with covering a, a golf tournament, and the reason why free-to-air people don't do it over here because it costs so much money. You've got to be in tens of places at the same time. People can be hitting shots at the same time, and you can't show every single shot live because um, you can't. You can't. You don't, we don't want relevant, relevant birdies and the relevant putts dropping. I thought we saw that throughout, and it was a, a tricky leaderboard, wasn't it? Because these guys went from not being in contention to suddenly being in contention half an hour later through not really doing anything particularly, just making a few pars and other people dropping back. So it's not as if we had someone surging through the field making a load of birdies that they weren't showing. It was just the odd birdie here and there because that was the nature of the day. It was a difficult golf course, difficult condition. And, and that final three ball were a very good three ball. Kucha from America, McElroy from Europe. Scott from Australia. And they weren't falling uh, back. Yeah, they were all in contention, you know, like Kucha finished second, Rory was a shot back from there. So um, I think sometimes the social media, of course, people can just moan for the for the hell of it. And people do like to moan when they say, um, I think we've already had a question which we were going to ask later on about why 
does Tiger get so much uh, yeah. coverage still? Jeff Patterson on Facebook. Yeah, we, we, which um, we could probably talk about now because we don't know the Tiger effect. We know that the, the TV companies only show the people which they know are going to uh, um, up the ratings. And we know Tiger has that. I'll be honest with you, I don't think they show that many shots of no, they Tiger. They normally show more of yeah. Tiger. Yeah, and actually they, they show... It drives me crazy because who wants to watch the Tiger who's clearly not motivated because he's not going to win and all he cares about is winning? Shooting a couple over par and not really having his heart in it. Who wants to watch that versus someone at the sharp end of the tournament? Yeah. I've never understood that. I understand he moves the needle. I understand he's potentially the best player ever, but that always winds me up massively. So it's actually quite refreshing to not have to watch every shot of Tiger Woods who starts on the back nine and is eight over for the tournament. Yeah, yeah all I really saw from him was him chunk that bunker shot and then hole it and then hit a terrible shot into the last. That's all I can really yeah, I, I, I'm, remember. Yeah, I'm the same. So I, we, we understand what Tiger... People do get their uh, knickers in a twist about Tiger Woods don't they so um, um, I think it is a very tricky thing if they didn't show any of Tiger then there'd be people moaning on social media about oh we didn't get to see any of Tiger Woods blah 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 so um, amazing leaderboard though when you look at it I mean the best round in the top 10 on that last day was three under it's kind of US Open style figures it was it was tough wasn't it it was proper golf that's what we want to see don't we we don't want to I know there was that's the thing about that round. I think there was a couple of there was a sixty four in each round, except for the final round. So you could go really low, but you just had to be a bit lucky. I think with your putts and hope that you you hold a few. Um, I, I mean, really enjoyed it. That's my style of golf tournament. That is, I'd much rather watch that than someone. Your style of golf tournament. Okay, I don't know what that means. Your style. It means I much prefer the U.S. Open style tests, whereas yeah. as opposed to people shooting twenty four under par for for seventy two. I think that's that's ghost to most people. To be honest with you. Um, so Rory obviously shot two over in the final round to finish fifth. Triple bogey the fifth. Uh, so far he's, he's had a, a third and a fifth to start the 2020 season. Um, I think he's playing really, really solidly and it's looking very uh, good for the year ahead. Anyone got other um, thoughts on it, Elliot? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it was very poor from Rory personally. He's the, he's the world number one and that triple bogey on the fifth hole was shambolic to be honest uh nothing to say really apart from that he he started the week with 68 67 68 gets a little bit tough on the final round when he's leading he shoots two over par it's we saw a lot of that last year and i hope we don't see that again this year agreed there were some mitigating circumstances that wasn't easy and it's a world-class field i just think with mcelroy his tee to green game is basically automatic at this point it's a given that he's going to excel in that regard so if he has an above average week on the greens he's going to win more often than not yeah I think that's the, that's the thing I mean he, it's we, we do set him on a pedestal he's finished an 8 under he's 3 back from the winner he's 1 back from the 3 people who finished 2nd and we're saying he had a sham, but you know we didn't have a very good week. It, it, you know, five, that, it, it's just consecutive top five. I know he, he, he's on, he's on fire, isn't he? And every week, you know, he will have, and he always seems to does he does seem to recover. If he has a bad start to round, he always seems to at least get it back to some some kind of. And uh, we, as we've said, it's a very difficult course to chase on. Yeah, I think it was a t- tough. He of course won't be happy with a getting a triple bogey on any hole, especially him. But um, uh, yeah, and you're right. He probably was. A, he didn't. He didn't engage maybe his brain at some points on that hole but it happens doesn't it and he could things can happen so quickly in golf so um yeah i remember last year he let a lot of good chances slip before his win at the players it's looking a little bit like that again 
he could have easily won the Farmers as well and yeah and had a poor but we almost now say if we're always saying if if Roy doesn't win then he he's disappointed or we're disappointed in him if he doesn't win which is ridiculous which is now ridiculous isn't it we do expect too much from him I expect too much from him because we all know how great he can be and maybe yeah we should just lessen those expectations but but he's no he he expects to win yeah oh he he, he, he'll be disappointed he didn't win no doubt let's not beat around the bush there there's so many variables that come into play though and putting yourself in that position tournament after tournament after tournament is hugely impressive and if he plays a final round where he's in the top 20 in putting, he wins a golf tournament. That yeah. just says so much about his long game prowess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the other person we've already mentioned, Tiger, finished last of the players who made the cut at 11 over. We were all saying, oh, it wouldn't be great if he broke the uh, Sam Sneeze record this week because it was at the place that he really wants to win at. Um, didn't quite happen. He said afterwards he's a bit run down and, you know, he probably played too many rounds of golf, uh, too many tournaments in a row. He didn't play any in a row. Oh, oh, too many. Sorry, in in a in a group. He's played, yeah, he's played two tournaments in in a month, and he's knackered. I so, guess he played the Hero World last yeah. year, then went down to the President's Cup. Yeah, but he's 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 that. said that, he, and also he's he was hosting the tournament as well this this week as well. So actually, there's a load of pressure on him. He's already said that actually he needs to manage his tournament schedule maybe a little bit better and I think that shows how much he wants to win at Riviera because I don't think he would have played if it had been another event and uh, when he's got an early tea time at say half eight in the morning he has to get up out of bed at like half three because he has to do all his physio stuff all his warm up so that must be quite shattering yeah exactly he's missing this week at Mexico uh, and there are quite a few people who are missing uh this week, the WGC in Mexico, uh, which we're going to preview now. So uh, it's in, how do, how, do, how do you say the name of the golf course? Because so to back. Well, oh, you're so good at saying these things, Elliot. Uh, in Mexico City, it's the venue for the fourth WGC Mexico Championship. Dustin Johnson won last year and in 2017, with Phil Mickelson winning in 2018. But there are some big names missing the week. There is no Mickelson, for example. No Woods, no Kupka, no Rose, no Jason Day, no Stenson. Uh, why is this? Why are so many people missing the Mexico Championship? Uh, I think it's twofold. First of all, it comes at a time during a very, very good run of tournaments on the PGA Tour. If you look at what's preceded it and if you look at what's coming next, you've got Honda, the players, the Arnold Palmer, the match play all coming up over the next five weeks. Um, Americans don't generally like travelling as much as Europeans and also the prize pools in some of these... Americans left. don't like travelling. It's Mexico. I know. It's next to America. And they go, from east to, they go from east to west coast all the time. So, sorry. that I, probably a lesser factor I than, than the schedule. They, the American golfers have to travel more often. I, I think they don't like leaving America if it can be avoided. Um, I think okay. you've seen lots of cases of that uh, over the years. And also I would say that the prize pools in some of these regular PGA Tour events have come up so much in the last few years that there's actually not a massive gap now between prize pools and those and the WGCs. Whereas uh, several years ago, the WGCs you would never miss because no cut, all these world ranking points, huge prize pools. But now some of these regular PGA Tour events like Genesis last week have such big prize pools and, and so, so many world ranking points on offer that it's not seen as essential to travel and play in a World Golf Championship anymore. Yeah, I think this event is the victim of the new schedule that came in last year. Like Nigel said there, the events are very strong. $1.75 million first prize. Just for turning up, you get 50 grand if you finish last. One thing that I was looking at, the income tax in Mexico rises to around 30%. So I don't know if that's got anything to do with it. I know that's why I don't go to Australia, because you lose 50% of your winnings there. Um, would you, would you turn up for 50 grand a lip? 
Uh, to finish last debatable think about how many fake items of clothing you could get for that <laughs> a lot that's a good I point I love Mexican food as well I had some <laughs> really good tacos <laughs> at the weekend you want to go I've drink it to Mexico City it's a fun place actually I mean, it's extremely polluted but other than that it's good fun massive well, isn't, it? isn't it huge it's huge if you ignore the, the massive crime rates and the pollution it's actually quite fun great stuff um, as you said there is no cut this week and it is 1.75 million first prize um Patrick Cantlay, he's injured as well. What's happened to Patrick Cantlay? He's having an operation on his septum. I think that's correct, which is the bit in between your nostrils. Uh, Septum. Septum. I've actually had that operation. Oh, really? Yeah. I've had issues with my nose. I've had three or four operations on my nose. You are. uh, There's always something wrong with you, though. Always something wrong with me. I'm a hypochondriac, according to Tom (laughs) Clark. Also, sorry, going back to the players missing, I remember Justin Rose was quite critical of the schedule last year and how he really wants to peak for things and you know it's it's an Olympic year they're obviously just really trying to get it right I'm not sure why Kepka's not there though Kepka Kepka doesn't care about any golf tournament that isn't a major Uh, well I think he's also coming back from his injury still I think he's still working yeah that's true he's I think he's just being careful on his work on his workload I mean there's lots of I mean John Rahm if he wins this week he's playing Uh, if he wins this week he goes to world number one you know there's a great chance that he's going to at least move up to world number two because Kepka's not playing and Mom is closing in on him mm. um, Rory is also playing this week so there is some big big names playing DJ's playing Justin Thomas is playing Adam Scott Webb Simpson Matsuyama Shoeflay you know there's a huge amount Tommy Fleetwood's now overtaken Justin Rose as the top ranked Englishman and he's playing so these are guys you know who who are absolutely playing and want to uh, want to do as well as they can. Mm. It's a massive, massive year for these guys. And uh, I think the people who miss missing it, Tiger Woods aside, Mickelson aside, you know, who happened to... Mickelson's played three in a row, hasn't he? So yeah. I mean, I'm surprised he's not playing there because he's won there recently. Uh, Tiger, I can absolutely understand why he's not playing. But the other guys, I don't quite yeah, understand, don't really understand why they're I mean, he's only played... He played last week and he played the Farmers. That's it on the PGA Tour. This we, we had the he same conversation, the exactly same conversation this time last year. Didn't play on the European Tour. Where we're either. going, what is Justin Rose doing? Why is he not playing more I golf? He, I think he's overthinking his schedule at the moment. Ma- massively, massively. Yeah. He needs to play more. There, we do, we've done a very, very basic bit, bit of... Uh, maths on how to win the masters and how many tournaments you need to have played do you need to have won etc etc we've done that for the last few years and it's really clear the people who play over six events and have done very well had a top five at least had the best chance of winning the masters look back historically that's always what's happened to the you know to, for the majority uh, why is justin rose not doing that why is Justin Rose not looking at yeah and he missed the cut of the masters yeah for the first time in about 15 years. It, 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 it's, it's very confusing. And this time last year, he was world number one. Or was just about hanging on to world number one. Mm. And now he's outside the world's top ten. He's not even the, mo- the highest-ranked Brit. Yeah. So um, Played three tournaments this year. Yeah, which isn't, you know, which isn't bad. After having had virtually all of December off. Yeah, it's, it seems weird. I think everybody else has played pretty much four mm. or five. So, uh, we, again, we're not beating down on Justin Rose we're all Justin Rose fans here Nicky's a very big Justin Rose fan I mean Nicky's a very big anything um, <laughs> uh, HR, HR. <laughs> yeah HR I've gone uh, so yeah it's, it's tricky isn't it also I th- for some reason I think Justin Rose would actually excel at this course because it's a ball strikers course it's, you've got to think about it there's all these chat always at altitude everything goes 10% longer blah 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 uh, but for me I think Justin Rose would 
plot his way around this course quite nicely. I think probably it's the fact that he'll play, I don't know if he'll play Honda, but he'll play Arnold Palmer, he'll then play the players, and then he might play Valspar, and then he'll, he will obviously play the match play too, so he's going to play at least three out of those four events. So yeah. that's probably why. He's not he doesn't play want to... Valspar if he's missing this. Okay. He's probably going to play three of the next five events, and then he wants to have a week off before the Masters, and then that's probably how we'll do it. So that's why it's a tricky time of year. It's hard to get the scheduling right. There are blockbuster events coming at you thick and fast. So I do yeah. understand to an extent when there isn't that ma- where there isn't that huge discrepancy between prize pools between WGCs and regular events anymore. But still, I would like to see him play. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I do. I, also, one of the reasons why I um, want to see him play is because I really like this tournament. It, the mm. golf course is awesome. It's a really technical one. Um, very tight uh, fairways, overhanging trees, left, right, and centre. Tricky greens. It's a cracking tournament, and we've had some really good events there in the past. So, um, who do we think is going to do well this week? I will pick Tommy Fleetwood. Is that who not, you not quite sure what that noise was? Uh, you sound like got, a you sound like a steam train I've leaving the station. Uh, Fleetwood was second in 2017, and he's had two runners up and a win in his last four starts. When was the last time he missed a cut? At the 2018 French Open. That's a long no, time. He's ago. never finished outside the top 20. He's not going to miss the cut either. this week. He's never finished outside the top 20 in this tournament. Yeah, I think it was, a, I think, a very good shout. Um, I would go with an outsider then. Uh, just quite like the look of Abraham Answer. Yes, I have him written on my list as well. He's got a second and a sixth already this season. Mm-hmm. I seem to recall maybe last year or the year before he was quite. He was off quite late on a Saturday or a Sunday. I think he fell away in the end. And it's his style of golf course. He's, he's a player who does everything fairly solidly across the board. So you expect him to find a lot of fairways and hit a lot of greens. There's also one quite big thing about Abraham. And he's from Mexico. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we got that in because I think yeah. that's, you probably should have led with that. Possibly should have. But, uh, you know, yeah, he's, he's, he's 50 to 1. Do you know what odds Fleetwood was? No. Oh, I would imagine great 25 research, to 30. Great, great research there. Uh, You're the tips of Tom. Oh, no, I'm not, I, haven't got, I haven't got the whole odds in front of me. I've got I've got five names in front of me. Uh, and you've already said one of them. The, the other two who I'll say, uh, Justin Thomas. Mm. I think he's got a really good shout. He's already hold, what, he hold a shot on the 72nd hole last year or the year before, didn't he? Can't remember. He was right in the mix. That he, he, uh, yeah, he lost in the playoff to Mickelson in 2018. Right, yeah. um, he's already won this year. He got very odd. So if you actually look at how many events he's played. So he's played four events this year and he's finished first and third in two of them and missed the cuts in the other ones. Um but I think he's a great player, and I think he's someone who could do really well. He's ten to one, so I'm going quite big on him this this week. Uh, and then the other one, I'm going to tell you one of my outsiders is our man Chrissy B. How'd you say his name, Elliot? Christian Bezwaden Hope. Thank you. Uh, my pronounce pronouncing coach over in the corner. Uh, he's obviously been what someone who's been on our radar for a long time, been playing really well. But he actually won at the weekend on the Sunshine Tour. Um, so he's obviously in very, very good form. And again, I think a player that should suit that course, especially with such a good short game, which we know he does have. So check those guys out. I have short game. Yeah, he does have a great short game. He does have a great short I've game. I've seen right? it up close. Yeah. I know. Oh yes, uh, Elliot High. Elliot High fived him once, uh, holding a chip at Wentworth. I'd forgot about that. Um, but I do have a couple of other picks as well. But to find them out, you'll have to check out the website. So Google um, Mexico Championship betting tips or Golf Monthly betting tips, and you'll find them. Check them out because I'm on fire. I'll say it again. I'm on fire. Pride comes before a fall, Tom. I, I know. On I know. Fuego. 
Yes. Um, what does that mean? On the fire. I know. I was, I was joking. Uh, is one of your picks, one of your secret picks, three hundred to one? No. Okay. Well, I'll say Rio Ishikawa. I quite fancy. Oh, him. I forgot about Rio. Yes. And uh, another player that I forgot about is Matt Wallace at one hundred and forty to one. Missed a cut already this year, but he's had a couple of weeks off since the desert. I might put Rio in there, and I think we should talk about Rio because he's someone you know he was going to be the next big thing when he was a teenager. Put so much pressure on him by everybody's big sponsors the hopes of a nation slash continent on him and he didn't really you know I think they put too much on him he didn't really perform but last year he won three times he's now back in the world's top 100 and obviously he's at the, in the WGC and he could do well uh, three into what to one you know put 50p each way on him what's the harm that could be done so um, also is the guy that we talked about before we came in here on your betting tips list uh, I don't know who that was Kevin Kisner no bet on Kevin Kisner that was your tip perfect golf course for Kevin Kisner okay thank uh, you another thing do you oh hello are we just going through the whole field here no do you guys remember a couple of years ago when Shabanka Sharma was up by the lead and Mickelson thought he was a member of the media when he introduced himself on the putting green yeah. before they went out to play in the final yeah. group I do that's funny Shabanka Sharma Fortunately, fallen away slightly in form. Um, More than slightly. Three yeah. European tour wins in uh, one season, was it? Or was it two? Yeah. yeah. And then he got got that invite to the Masters, didn't he? Played in a few WGCs, and now he's probably comfortably outside the world's top one. Yeah. We had a we were in a curry house with him in Carnoustie at one point, weren't we? Along with Stuart Sink and John Rahm and John Rahm and. Pete Cowan. And Pete Cowan. But what? John Rahm loves a curry, doesn't he? I, I tell you what, yeah. I think that was a good curry there as well. Yeah, Crikey. Um, anyway, we're go- uh, there is another event on this week as well, which I'm not going to do any uh, official betting tips on. That's the Puerto Rico Open. It's got an odd field. A couple of good names in there. Beep, 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 beep. Victor Hovland is the favourite, 10 to 1. Alex Norman's also playing 15 to 1. And for someone, uh, if we're talking about Brits, Tom Lewis, of course, won the Corn Ferry Tour Championship. He is 25 to 1. So, three guys maybe to look out for. Uh, it's, of course, the tournament that Tony Finau did win. Um, so, it is a good option. It doesn't op- count. It does count because it's a PJ Tour event. Um, and it is a great opportunity for some of the guys who wouldn't usually be there on a Sunday to have a, a big, big win. So do check it out if you get the chance. But I'll be watching the WGC Mexico. Um, now we're going to listen to some other audio from Neil Tappin and a PJ uh, coach, Alex Elliott, who have been putting together some great tips on our website. And this one is something which might be very good use for you going into the summer and the spring. And that is, do you want to get back into golf? You want to go down to the driving range to have some practice, but how's the best way to practice? One of the worst ways to do it is to pretend you're a machine gun and hit a million balls in 20 minutes. So this is some advice from Alex Elliott about how to get the best out of your practice down the golf range. If you were to walk down the range at your local driving range, you'd see someone hit it, pull another ball, hit it, pull another ball. And especially if they're struggling with their game and on a club that they don't like, yes. pull, hit, pull, yeah. hit. Pull, hit, where's that gone? Disgusted. Pull another one in, have another go. Exactly. And you don't really take into account what you're doing in your swing. You're searching for a different feeling every single time. And I think it then almost becomes a little bit of guesswork to actually, how do I get the ball from A to B the best possible way? Yes. So 
if we're someone who takes lessons or even if we're not someone who takes lessons, just taking a little bit of time in between each shot, one, it replicates what happens on the course. We've sometimes got five, ten minute break on a par five, waiting on the tee. We haven't got that ability to go, oh, I've got another one to go here. Oh, okay, that wasn't good, right, okay, reload. I got a second go at it. We know we only have one go on the course. Yes, of course, yeah. So I kind of come up with a thing, and this is something that I do with a lot of people that come for a lesson, is a five ball set, I call it. Okay. Three balls, which could be something what you've decided with your coach you want to work on. So say, for example, you were working on a little bit of club face control in a certain drill. You'd spend these three golf balls working on that area of the game. Okay. And then not really worrying about ball flight too much, still having a target to go to. And then the final two, this is where ultimately I, I, I'm a big believer in these two. We're not tuned in enough when we practice, especially if we're someone who pulls a ball, hits, pulls a ball, hits, into actually performance on the course. So these two would be change of club, change of target, and trying to replicate going through your full routine of what happens on the course on the range. And are you trying to then, with those two balls, trying to lose all kind of technical thoughts of what you've been working on? Exactly. Or are you still thinking about that stuff? I, I guess that's person-to-person basis. Personally, I try to get people to have one, possibly two swing thoughts, absolute max. Definitely going more towards losing the swing thoughts than to having them, and almost trying to get, right, okay, this is the swing thought I had, I'm now going to try and hit a draw shot, I'm now going to try and hit a fade shot. Being definitely more tuned into the ball flight, so in sense of a shot I'm going to try and hit, instead of a specific swing thought, which would be the other three. And I I always say to everybody as well, machine gun practice, you could get 100 balls and do them in 20 minutes. Yes. I I say to all the people that I I kind of help out, I say, well, go and get 50 and spend the same time you're hitting 50 as you were 100 or even longer just by setting them out in five ball sets. Yes. You take your time, you know what you're working on and you're actually getting some real time feedback that's going to help you out on the course. And you can pay attention to things like your alignment and your posture and all of those good things that make a big difference to your game. So if you are heading to the range, avoid the temptation of pulling a ball, hitting it, pulling another one, hitting it. It can actually do more harm than good. So there you go. Some advice there from Alex Elliott alongside digital editor Neil Tappin. Elliot, you you could do with some more practice down the golf range. What's your favourite thing to do down the range? Go and have a pint in the bar or... Yeah, I like that. Uh, long drive contests on the top tracer thing. We did that at Silvermere. Yeah. Try and hit nice. the little, uh, if there's a little robot ball collector, try and hit that. Did anyone watch? Talk at this. I'm going completely yeah, off. Yeah, that's fun. Well. I'm going off completely. Has anyone been watching the new series of Top Gear? No. One of the, one of the, <laughs> your face when I said that earlier. One of the things that they did the other day was, um, was, buy some very cheap convertibles and then go and do their silly tests as they go around in England. And one of them, they went to a golf range and they had to drive around the golf range and they had to try and get hit as many times as possible. And, uh, yeah, it looked quite good fun. Who's on Top Gear these days? Freddie Flintoff. Right. Paddy McGuinness. Right. Paddy McGuinness? Yeah, have you not seen it? And, so, and uh, I, I can't think of the other guy's name. Yeah. You're not on it anymore. No, Dave. Is it Chris Harris? Chris Harris, that's yeah. it. He's the kind of the proper car guy. Who's Chris Harris? He's a car presenter. He's one of the presenters. A motor journalist. Yeah, yeah. He's. Paddy McGuinness from. I'll Paddy tell you what. I, I, I've got to say. Well, what I don't line up. It's uh, it's it's much better than it was with. Uh, it's no Grand Tour though. That's that's I, where my allegiances lie. Okay, well, they, well, yes, I know, but it was it was quite good fun. I only mentioned it because obviously they're at the golf range and it got a bit silly. So. Anyway, what were we talking about? Bridges and Top Gear, right? Exactly. What were we talking about? Oh, let's talk about in, in other news. That's a Top Gear. That was a Top Gear thing. Let's talk about the news. Um, Augusta. Let's talk about Augusta. It's completed its tunnel. 
what tunnel you say well it's 120 foot long 26 feet below washington avenue 26 feet wide there's some great stats here elliot and it leads from uh the augusta national property to the new bit of land that they bought which is 40 acres which will be the new global broadcast village i.e where the tv companies will be um there's some pictures online and it shows Augusta is expanding as much as possible. They've been trying to buy up the land as much as they can do. And having been to Augusta, Nigel, you've also been to Augusta. I have, yeah, very fortunate. But you haven't played Augusta, have I you? I haven't, no. No, I have. Anyway. Um, How many parts did you make? No, uh, I don't know. Who cares? Pathetic. Who cares? I got to walk on the bridge on the 12th. <laughs> uh, fun time. And uh, listeners, Tom was posing for a picture on the bridge on the 12th and there was a bull around six foot from the hole behind him. It's a good picture. And there's, a, there's a comment on our page saying, oh, look how close he's hit it. What a player. When actually he was my miles ball. right. And he's it wasn't not, miles right. I was actually just off the green. It's actually player. one of my favourite. I'm not a good player. I'll take that. But I've played Augusta National. Have you, Elliot? No. Exactly. Playing so, the old course soon, though. So sh- yes, I might. Basically the same. Shh. Have you played the old course, Nigel? No. <laughs> it's going well, this, isn't it? Anyway, anyway let's, like talk about Augusta. let's talk about Augusta. So we both went to Augusta. Augusta, if you haven't been, is obviously this oasis, incredible place to be. Paradise, but next yeah. next to Augusta is a huge, uh, well, it's Washington Avenue, which is a huge eight-lane motorway, pretty much. It's, it's massive with Taco Bells and yeah, fast food and, and hooters. It's the contrast between what's inside the gates of Augusta and outside it is quite stark. It's, it's amazing. So uh, Augusta, and it is, it's full of traffic and stuff like that. So Augusta have actually um, been uh, trying to build, I think, the odd tunnel here and there to actually avoid the road and to be able to move people around property better. And this new TV um, compound is going to be amazing. They're going to have every, absolutely everything there. But um, it's, it shows the amount of investment that they, they are putting into the Masters to make sure it, it continues to be the best tournament of the year and the place that everybody wants to uh, attend. So when people see, heard about them buying this uh, 40 acres of land, they say, are they going to build some new golf stuff? No, no, it's just going to be for the broadcasting stuff. It's also for their digital operation as well. I think, uh, obviously, we saw... Every shot of every player last year, yeah. and I think there might be an announcement about some improvements. I have, I have no doubt that that's just the tip of the iceberg. Incredible yeah. service that they have on their website, where you can see every single shot taken by every player um, on demand. So incredible, and um, yeah, it's not long now till oh, Can't wait for the Masters. It's going to be, it's going to be soon. Over Easter weekend as well, isn't it? It is. Yeah, so we can relax the month. Oh, yeah, we're going to have to work. Um, I need lots of chocolate though. Well, good That's news. Good. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Also, in other news, European Tour has postponed the Volvo China Open and the Maybank Championship due to the coronavirus. Also, the LPGA Tour has cancelled three Asian events. Women's Asia Pacific Amateur has been cancelled and the PGA Tour Series China has delayed the start of its season until at least the end of May. This is not good for golf, is it? No, it's, it's very not, worrying. Yeah, it's very worrying. Obviously... The most important thing is to try and uh, contain this virus and make sure it doesn't spread around the world, obviously. Uh, but this is really affecting these these events, and we hope that this is not going to have a long-term effect because these are the kind of things which can put sponsors off and it can take some money out of the game in the areas of the game that really need it. be interesting to see where we are in October before the HSBC Champions, how things are there. Well, and the Olympics as the well. Olympics. I know yeah. the, the organisers are very worried about that, not just in terms of golf. Also, the European Tour had to essentially get rid of the Hong Kong Open as well due to the political pressures there. So it's been quite a, a torrid season for them. Yeah, so. and we've obviously been chatting about the new 
potential Premier League, a golf, a world tour, whatever we're going to call it. Um, these things probably don't help it. Uh, actually, probably helps the basic PJ tour say, look, you know, we put on the great show every week in a different state every week. We get huge crowds. It goes on. We get a really, really good purse. Um, you know, we get the best players in the world playing now. You know, you don't need to go and play all around the world. Yeah, I think I saw a, or heard a rumour this week that Woods has been offered $250 million to join or something. But uh, I just think it's got too many hurdles. You think? I think the European Tour, PJ Tour, the players, the history, I think hopefully the golfing world unites. and that, but that, That's it's interesting. You know, mm. PJ and European Tour famously sort of haven't really worked together that much over the years, but I think they will come together on this in order to try and this could be a, I mean, it could be a good thing. I mean, we've all... We've said about the players missing the WGCs this this week. I mean, are the WGCs in danger? I don't know. It's it's I very think they tricky. Be. Personally, I don't see them as that high above the, some of the elite uh, regular tour events. I don't really look forward to uh, Mexico aside. I don't really look forward to any WGCs. I mean, I'd like the match play. I, I'm bored of that golf course now. Uh, Austin. Yeah, I must oh, prefer I watching like the them. Arnold Palmer, the Genesis. To I don't watch the Chinese one anyway because obviously on the middle of the night. Um, Mexico's good. The match play, I'm bored of that golf course now. I don't like the finishing stretch. I don't think it's very fitting um, for a tournament of that prestige. What's the other one? Oh, the one that used to be the FedEx St. Jude that they just chucked a load of money at. And that used was to be the Bridgestone. Yeah, used to be the yeah. Bridgestone. I, I mean, hated the Bridgestone as well because that golf course was so boring. I, I mean, I like the thing about the WGCs. Historically, of course, they have gone around the world. They have been to all over, all different places. Um, of course, they've been to the Grove, for example, yeah. near where we, near where we are. Island, yeah. yeah, exactly. They've been all over the place, and maybe it's time for them to move around a bit more to try and um, make them so they're just. Well, which one can move though? Because I think the the one in in Memphis is they've signed a long term deal for it to be in Memphis. Mexico, when does that contract end? I'm not sure. Maybe they'll move to Mexico. I mean, I like the, the, the Mexico is the one that stands out. The one that I like the most is probably the one that's most likely to move. Yeah, well. unfortunately, I like the Mex yeah. Mexico one because it's in a different kind of golf course. It's in a different place. I know it's still in North America, but um, it would be nice to go to other places. Would it, I know that there's been chat about things maybe happening in Ireland. We don't know. Um, but it would be nice to have one over in Europe where all the best players come over and stuff like that. So... Um, Interested to see what can you imagine a WGC at Adair Manor. I can. That would be amazing. It would be amazing, and there's lots of great golf courses which you know have it. This thing is for the for the Mexico one. It happens now. Now, I'm sorry, I don't know if you looked out the window, but we cannot host a WGC event at this time of year in this part of the world um, because we're all getting blown off the planet, aren't we? So, well, they could move the one in it's July, isn't it? The one in Memphis. Yeah, and that's just it's a very congested schedule around that time of year. So maybe they can move that one. Is there. it July or August? I thought it was after the Open. Uh, or am I making things up? This year it has moved two weeks before the Open. Yeah. The I mean, it would be that would be nice, wouldn't it? But um, and then they had to move the Irish Open as a result, didn't they? Yeah, there's yeah. lots of it. There's lots of issues. But yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Actually, I think a lot of our listeners will probably agree with you. Uh, the WGCs don't quite have that glitz that perhaps they used to. No, I agree with that as well. Right, we're going to move on to your questions. We asked on social media saying give us some questions so we can answer them and you gave us some questions so here are those questions are you ready Elliot I want some good answers from yeah, you yeah I'm looking forward to your answer to the first one okay where do you see this is from William Fardell uh, which I think was on Facebook where do you see golf equipment going in the next five to ten years you can answer that first I don't really have an answer for that oh, that's... Oh, but, I mean that is 
for thanks for your insights. I'm glad we've got That's you. Why on. I'm looking forward to your. Okay, I'll, okay, I'll give it. I'll give an answer. I think that in the next five to ten years, the driver head size is going to come down. There's going to be a professional golf ball, which only professional all professionals have to use on the tour. And what else? That's a good start, isn't it? That's all you're going to get from the Golf Monthly Podcast team because I don't have an answer either. I'm afraid golf equipment is not my area of specialty. I know, but come on. Be, be. Uh, I, will say oh, new, I, t- I will say new materials and more adjustments. I'll, I'll tell you, you actually know, something else. General. A bit of AI is going to get involved. You're going to have AI goggles. Which you're going, you're going to play golf in, and it's going to give you live distance and stuff like that, mm. and your score. In, you know, I bet I, something like that's going to be around the corner. That's that's already kind of out there on. on. Really, you saved the segment. With that well, no, I think that's. that's I think they're the most. They're the kind of things which are exciting. You you already see. Do you know when you go when you're playing Tiger Woods golf, or if it's not called Tiger Woods golf anymore, is, is it? But you used to be. Um, you used to have that little setup on your screen where you used to have the wind and the distance and stuff like that that's we're going to have access to that soon alright yeah at the top of the grip you hit your shot and, and then you down can... <laughs> and it tells you all your numbers you've hit that 100 and whatever yards with this swing speed this I, I, speed. I really think that, that that kind of stuff is being worked on already um that, that's great we already have supercomputers you, influencing yeah. driver design we already have all the club tracking stuff so I mean that would be a natural next step yeah so that's in 10 years time that's going to that's going to be there you know if you look back 10 years ago which I was working here then I can't really remember what was going on but lasers were still reasonably new-ish or reasonably new to being able to be given to everybody mm-hmm. or you could go out and buy them now we've got shot tracking um, available for everybody you know you've got apps on your phone which can do it um, so that's just gonna you think 10 years time it's gonna be a big change isn't it um, but th- I mean I think the drive size is going to come down uh, because I think it's just I look at obviously I'm a cricketer as well I just look at what's happening with cricket bats at the moment always used to be if you wanted a light bat it had to be a thinner bat now they've worked out how to even though that's just wood even now they've worked out how to make a big chunky bat lighter they just dry it out and stuff like that the technology is changing already for that and that's just using one substance that's just using English willow yeah the golf don't even have that. They have huge amounts of different technology and different materials that they can use. I, I have no doubt that they'll be able to get the head size of the driver down to 400 or something like that. And actually, they're still going to be able to get the, the, the distance gains still from that. It just means that you're going to have to be slightly but the more... The amateurs want that, though. They don't want a smaller driver. No, and that's the thing that we... That's that, the issue that I think is going to... We don't want to make the... Head over the, the game of years. golf for amateurs is tricky enough as it is. Um, but I think I think there is going to be technology, technological advances, so actually still won't affect people so much. I think they're still going to happen, though. Um, there you go. A bit of AI. Who yeah, thought of AI? I... I've just had a very silly thought. I, I wonder if we'll ever see wood in a golf club again. I I, I was I was thinking that you know we've just been talking about that about cricket. Right? You know they are still called woods, but then they're called metal woods, aren't they? And I I think the same. Um, maybe if they really wanted to cut back the distance gains, why not go back to wooden clubs? Now would that ever happen? I probably not. But probably wouldn't. Thank you. You've done well there. Um, 
but it's an interesting thing because for many many years that's the only thing people did use uh, because that was the technology technology available um it's not going to happen but it's an interesting thought i think we uh got more out of that question than i thought we were going to well there you go but there you go well saved indeed next question easy three putt from what's this facebook again twitter twitter sorry yes twitter will adam scott win a major this season no Oh, there you go. Because thanks, thanks, Nick. I'm convinced that Schofle is going to win one. I also think that Rahm and McElroy are going to win one. That leaves one other major to win, and there are lots of good players fighting for that. So, on the balance of probability, I'm going to say no. I'll say yes, he'll win the Open. Got a great record at the Open, and his mindset seems very, very impressive. There you go. He's also stopped wearing those ridiculous trousers. trousers. Can I just say, I, I, <laughs> what were they? I, I, I thought Adam Scott was very well dressed at the weekend. He wears foot well, joints. The thing, he's a very well dressed man, and then for some reason he threw those trousers into the mix last year. Yeah, they were. Understand. They were. They were classic. I can see why people didn't like them, but he wears Foot Joys 1857 collection. The shoes are absolutely incredible. I looked online at the weekend because I wanted to to just look at them they're $750 I'm not sure if they're available in the US but they are gorgeous in the UK sorry yeah (laughs) you also had a set of I love the way as ever you were saying about a bit of clothing that you were loving and straight away you just went on to the price I think that's do you know anyone who works at FootJoy need to get a little little elbow out Uh, I might do yeah exactly well there you go um <laughs> the next question is from someone who has a very good uh, Twitter handle, uh, and it's at and turds. Uh, <laughs> with golf courses closing at record rates, what can the USGA, PGA of America, or the PGA Tour do to stop golf courses from closing? You guys can jump in on this first. I want to look at this from a UK angle. Yeah, uh, we are seeing a lot of golf courses close. I think instead of just fully closing them down, maybe just take nine holes away from them and use that land. Because I think we are lacking a lot of good nine-hole golf in this country, or even six-hole golf. And yeah, just look at it that way. I'm going to jump in and say, firstly, that golf courses are businesses. They are not. They might be aligned to their whoever the governing body is depending on what country they are but they're businesses and it's up to them to run themselves and some of the golf courses out there who have closed have tried absolutely everything to stay afloat and they haven't been able to do it some I don't know whether they have and maybe that they've been too closed with their business plans or whatever and actually they've realised that the best way to make some money at the end of the day is to sell the land and houses mm-hmm. to be built on it which is a huge shame Yeah. Um, so Golf, the first point is I don't know how much it has to do with the USGA, USGA, PGA of America and the PGA Tour because well, actually because the they're, they're pro events. Yeah, sure, but I think the way to stop golf courses from closing is to have a high demand and the way to have a high demand is to get more people playing the sport. So yeah. that then comes back to the governing bodies in terms of grassroots initiatives and things like that, yeah. marketing, etc., etc. Getting, 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 yeah. uh, getting the tournaments on terrestrial TV in front of more eyeballs. I don't agree with that at all. Well, there you go. But that, well, you just, you know. But then in terms of the clubs, stuff like diversification, you know, maybe some simulators, make it nine holes, have a really, maybe get someone in to look at the menu so you get attracted to people who aren't just golfers coming to your golf club. You people know, who events like all these curly things. fries. Right. Just diversification in general. Look at every avenue in order to get more revenue. More Even something as, as simple as buy some tennis or build some tennis courts or, yeah. Bring, but, but become bring, a multi-sport facility, yeah. for example. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of my uh, local golf courses, which I am 
I'm going to be aligned to a bridge golf course, which I think we've all played. You play that? More bridge chat. Uh, yeah, well, no. No. no, you haven't played that? Nick, have you played there? I don't think so. I think I played Thornham Thor- Thor- Park, Park, which yeah. is a different place. But Abridge have actually... Essex, well, absolutely. There's, yeah, but there's more than one place in Essex. Uh, but they've actually had a huge new um, building of a, a huge new golf cl- uh, clubhouse, new restaurant being put in there, new spike bar, stuff like that. And they're really trying to invest into the club. And I think the more people can do that, the better. Obviously, that takes a lot of money. Um I think also more community outreach. I don't think golf clubs do that enough in terms of getting out there and chatting to the local community, offering them starter lesson packages, etc., etc. Yeah, there's lots of things. So I think a lot of it is down to the clubs. There is a lot of money at the top of the game, and we know that, and it'd be nice for it all to be filtered down. But money alone, I don't think, is going to solve these issues. It has to be about trying to just get more people in through the gates. And as I say, there's more more than money there's other initiatives that, to do that so uh, yeah I think we answered that reasonably well so next question Johnny at Johnny's Pringle Johnny Pringle does Riviera prove that long rough is not the answer to players hitting it longer distances yeah great golf course good design fast greens difficult conditions it's always going to end up uh, difficult so I'm just trying to digest this he's saying he's, he's saying so yeah, he's saying about look the golf course at the weekend it didn't have a huge rough up it had a bit of rough up it didn't have a huge amount of rough up but actually it was still a really good test but that is a particularly great golf course in a particularly amazing part of the world where the climate and the weather actually helps it out so much if you had that golf course in other parts of the world it wouldn't work if it's really wet or stuff like that would it i think the answer is just a general setup i think in terms of quickening the greens up, making them firm, sticking pins in difficult places, putting the rough up. These are all things that can influence a player's strategy and make them think, oh, maybe I'm not just going to pull out a driver here and try and win three, four. But, and, and also, that was still happening. Yeah. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but those people were still smashing it 350 yards and having a wedge in to yeah, 400, 450 yards. Carry, carry a driver so far these yeah, days. Yeah, exactly. So the, but I think it's more about influencing their strategy and making them think, maybe I don't need to hit driver here. If they are pulling driver out, they're still going to be yeah. carrying it. I mean, they've got that, that short par for the 10th. Brilliant. Yeah. Rory hitting three wood to it absolutely to the perfect position into the in the neck of the green i mean it's they do he's hitting it a huge huge distances these guys do hit it huge distances but that and hole, ev- that hole in the final day there were doubles and bogeys everywhere you look oh, yeah, oh brilliant, yeah, brilliant. yeah because of the way that they tuck the pin away yeah you know that's that's fine but um that riviera show that it, you can have a good golf course and it doesn't get torn apart yeah. but players are still hitting you know they're still hitting driver wedge to 450 yard par fours which it's ridiculous. The only way to stop that happening is to have very thick, rough and narrow fairways on a 450-yard hole and maybe a wider fairway around the 280 mark to encourage people off the tee to hit a long iron or a three-wood. That's the only way that you stop players hitting driver wedge into a 450-yard par four. That yeah. ship sailed. If they're pulling the driver out, they're going to be hitting a wedge in for the second yeah. shot. Cause they and that, and, and that's, the big, that's the big issue with yeah. pro golf. Whereas we're still, for our, you know, us, we're still going to be hitting driver four iron or whatever if we're lucky yeah, they'd be hitting driver driver well. would you rather if you're Brooks Kepka though would you rather be hitting a nine iron from the middle of the fairway or a lob wedge from the rough I think he'd just go for the lob wedge he doesn't really care yeah, but, the, but he, yeah he's one of the mo- you know they're one of the model hit the ball as far as I can find it and get it on the green and if they do that then yeah. I mean, you saw that strategy was it the was it Carnoustie 
Um, oh. but I seem to remember one open where he was just pulling driver out on every shot. I think it was Carnoustie. I think in the end, he, en- he ended up missing the cut. But that is how he plays the game of golf now. He pulls driver at every possible opportunity and hits it as hard as he can. He made the cut at Carnoustie. Okay, he, was he, having, was he was having issues. Ra- that was after round one. Kept well, everyone, every, well, everyone was having issues in round one because the ball was going about 450 yards and they were hitting it into greenside bunkers and they couldn't stop the ball because it was so dry and then it poured down with rain the next day. Cook I just remember watching him versus the strategy of some other players and others were hitting sort of five, six arms to lay up and Kepka just on every hole was just putting driver. Indeed. Right, we're going to move on. Next question, Facebook again. Larry W. Schmidt, who's a top fan apparently on Facebook. Uh, why do the top European players live and play in Europe? Because they play a global schedule and the weather in America affords them the opportunity to practice all year round in good conditions and it's very well connected in terms of transport links. Well, they well, they play most of their golf in America because that's where the money is, that's where the world ranking points are. It would be great that they lived and played in Europe and they would do that if there was more big tournaments in Europe. But we haven't had a European tour event now for two weeks in a row and the season is kind of split up a bit with the European tour where they really only own that bit they around... The se- desert swing. Yeah. And, and then they own which is a in, couple of... Which is not in Europe. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, lead up to the Open. That's, that's the Middle East. Scottish-Irish, yeah. although the Irish has now moved to May. And then the stretch from the BMW to the end of the season. So what's that, September to November? Yeah. That's the only stretch, stretches that they own. Yeah. So it's... I think some of the European players would prefer to play in Europe and live in Europe, but that's not where the money and the world ranking points are. Also, a lot of the top Europeans, like... John Rahm, for example, went to college in the States, so they feel very comfortable over there. Yeah. People like McElroy have American wives too, so naturally they're going to want to live in the States. Same with Rahm, no? I have no idea. Yeah. I think Rahm's got an American wife. Yeah. Well, girlfriend. Girlfriend. <laughs> no, they're married. Are they? They got married at the end of last year. Great, great, great uh, wife chat. Uh, and the final question is from David Davy C, sorry, Davy C on Facebook. Is changing the ball going to be for the benefit of the game or not. We seem to concentrate on making changes to make the game more difficult for professionals rather than what will benefit all that play the game. Now, we've kind of touched on this already, and it's a very fair point, isn't it, that we don't want to make the game too hard for amateurs, whilst we also want to make sure that the professionals are absolutely blitzing every single golf course that they play on. I think we're heading for, I can never say this word properly, but bifurcation. Um, what, what does that mean, Nick? It means having different sets of rules for amateurs and professionals. And I've personally never really seen an issue with it. So I would be for that approach. Um, I'd be absolutely, I would absolutely have, it wouldn't detract from the experience for me watching a, a pro hit it slightly less far off the tee whilst main, making sure that amateurs can still hit it as far as they do nowadays. I don't see the big issue with having two sets of rules. I think I think the issue is with elite amateurs and the way that the the, the game is, where there's actually any amateur is an amateur. If you're playing off plus six or you're playing off twenty six, yeah. you're an amateur. Sure, but the people who sanction those events can just say that you're playing under X set of rules, so they yeah. can solve it that way. I do wonder whether a tour golf ball or tour uh, set of guidelines for clubs is going to happen I don't know one of the joys of golf of course is that we can go and play the same golf courses that any tour player does and use the same clubs use the same balls and hit the same shots as those players if Tiger Woods holds a one foot putt on the 18th green at the golf club I can hit I can execute that same putt if yeah. 
I get the opportunity the to do so. And the experience, not the equipment. Yeah. If you go and play the old course, you're not going to be thinking, oh, this experience means so much less to me now because I'm using a slightly different ball to what the pros are using. That's not, that thought's not even going to come into your brain, is it? I, I wonder, though. I do yeah, wonder. I wonder. Some, some, of the, some of the freshers of golf and some of the mate, and some, something which is so great about golf is that you can d- use that. Now, if it might be that people actually want to, to test themselves out. I wouldn't be surprised if top players start using some equipment and golf balls and actually players will then actually amateurs will actually start using the exact same stuff out there anyway even if there's perhaps potential gains from other clubs because like, people want to test themselves with the same uh, under the same rules as the as the professionals yeah you can't underpay that i don't think and that's why the governing bodies the rna and usga have such a difficult job and why it's taken them so long to decide and why they still haven't decided i mean look we're split in this room aren't we like philosophically i that wouldn't bother me at all but you're saying it might bother you guys if you're using different equipment i, I don't care it's about the experience and, and I, I, I think there's a, I think there's things that they they could keep the golf ball exactly the same as it is but they something's going to have to change we know that because distance yep. is getting bigger and bigger now whether that's the golf ball or whether that's the driver or whether it's whatever we've already said we've already come up with three potential things change the size of the heads of the drivers change the materials you know there's lots of different things that, that people can, yeah. can can do about it we don't know what's going to happen I think what we can agree on is that the next I think five-year period is going to be full of quite a lot of change for, for both the professional and the amateur. I think, so, I think so, especially with the report which came out a couple of weeks exactly. ago saying that distance was an issue. Yeah, this is this issue isn't going away. They're no. going to address Golf it. courses can't just keep getting longer. And there are only a number of ways in which they can address it, yeah. i.e. courses, equipment, ball. That's yeah. how they The courses it. have got as long as we want them to be because otherwise we're going to need to get a bus around the golf course, you know, and that's not quite fun for anybody um, because you're knackered by the time you know you're finished and it's taking you four and a half five hours to get around so um i think there's some big decisions to be made not by me not by you two yeah, don't envy the people but we can chat decisions. about it uh, and that's perhaps a good place to finish so thanks for listening we had a good chat there on that bombshell on, on that bombshell thank you Elliot. um as ever do follow us on social media at golf monthly on instagram and twitter and golf monthly magazine on facebook and of course golf-monthly.co.uk our fantastic website oh and i forgot about the youtube channel golf monthly youtube channel google it find yeah, and it. The, the print magazine Oh, I forgot about that. That's yeah, coming out next week. Yeah, new issues coming out uh, on next Thursday. So Who's on the front cover? Who's on the front? Ian Poulter. It's a, it's a putting masterclass from Ian. Ian Poulter. Boy. And there's also a 31-page masters preview. So be sure to oh, go to all good news agents and bookstores and to some, get that. maybe some bad news agents as well, which will also have our magazine in there. I'm sure. Um, next Thursday. So go and buy that. Four ninety nine. John Rahm on the cover this month out now Go don't confuse today. people you've, you've changed the message up there earlier you've confused people do buy our magazine um, <laughs> anyway thanks for listening thank you Elliot thank you Nick hopefully my uh, cold will be gone by next week and it hasn't turned into the coronavirus because that would be a disaster um, for all of us I've exactly. got a competition this weekend so, oh uh, yes oh well the, well if you want to listen back. if you want to listen to when Elliot chokes over the 17th and 18th uh, of his competition then definitely I'm predicting in. a good front nine finishing on 29 points I probably you'd probably bang on there anyway thank you guys and we'll speak to you again next week <laughs>